Okay, uh, Jose, let's start our class with a word prayer. Father, thanks so much for, uh, for today, Father, for letting uh, men gather. Thanks for uh, putting uh, these lessons on Marty's heart, Father. But right now, I want to pray for uh, for Enzo and Ezra. I'm so blessed that uh, I get to be your Father. Thanks so much that you entrusted me um, to be able to father them, Father, that you've given them to my, in my life. Father, and I want to do the best I can with raising them, uh, being a great role model to them. Um, that they see me as a, a spiritual leader, that they get to see a great role model, and that I can bring you glory and honor to Father. Thanks so much for today, for this class. Praise be to you, Amen. Amen. Okay, today's class is the right perspective, <coughs> avoiding common parenting pitfalls. Okay. Uh, look over to. Uh, <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is a great passage. It actually is a passage that does not talk about parenting, but it talks about the common uh, aspect of life. It says, uh, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. This passage of Scripture says basically that we all undergo the same kind of temptations, right? No temptations unique or terribly different uh, that any one particular person goes through, but we all, we all sort of go through the same things. That doesn't mean we all have the same sins in our life. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, one may have one sin and another have another sin. Uh, everybody is, you know, not a homosexual. Everybody's not a, an alcoholic. Everybody's not... Uh, a thief or, you know, whatever. I mean, it isn't like we all have the same sins in our life. But temptation is common to man and, and the things that we go through. And so we're going to go at that sort of idea uh, with parenting, is that we all face sort of the same kind of things uh, in our parenting. And I'm going to talk about five particular <coughs> pitfalls that you can fall into in parenting, as being a dad. Now, these are five things. One of these may apply to you more than one of the others, but these are five things that most people go through. Uh, I'll give you the five right now, then we're going to go through and look at some scriptures, and we'll break the, the five down uh, in talking about them. Uh, number one, unclear standards. Number two, favoritism. <clears throat> like I said, we'll go back and hit these so you don't have to get them all right now. Uh, number three, too little or too much discipline. Number four, lack of balance between dad and mom, uh, meaning that one is the primary parent and the other is secondary. And number four, the home becoming a production place instead of a peaceful place. So we'll go back and we'll talk about those pitfalls and, and flesh them out a little bit uh, as we go through. <clears throat> Let's start with number one. Unclear standards. Look over to Jeremiah chapter 31. And what I'm going to do with each one of these standards, or each one of these uh, common pitfalls, is I'm going to show you how God uh, sort of deals with this kind of thing uh, with His people. Jeremiah 31 and verse 33. This is what the Lord says. 
He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is His name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. You guys in the same spot with me? Jeremiah 31. What did I say? 31, 35. Oh, 35. I'm sorry. Let me start over there. My bad. You see those McChickens? They do clutter, clutter up your whole mind. You know? And I had two of them. No, no special sauce, though. No special sauce. If you take the special sauce off, they're not that fat. Right. <laughs> okay, here we go. 3135. This is what the Lord says. He, he who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is His name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. So, basically, he says, if, if my people will keep my laws or my understandings, they're always going to be great. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the fountains of the earth below be searched out why... Uh, man, alive, Marty. What is it? 3133. Where am I? I was at 35. I'm supposed to start at 33. You guys got me all messed up. <laughs> 31, 33. Okay. This is the covenant I made with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will man teach his neighbor or his man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then that other part about if they lose the word of God, they'll cease to be my people. In other words, God makes it clear to his people, my laws, my, my, my dictates have to be clear to you. If you're going to be uh, my children. Look over to Deuteronomy 11. Let's see if I can get this one right, guys. Sorry about that. Man, what a, what a doofus. <coughs> Deuteronomy 11 in verse uh, 16. Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and He will shut the heavens so that it will not rain, uh, and the ground will, will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them as you sit at home, as you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your forefathers, as many as the days uh, that the heavens are above the earth. Both these passages of Scripture talk about you've got to remember the Word of God. It's got to be the, the centering point of the home. Unclear standards in parenting is a common pitfall. You say, okay, Marty, what do you mean? Obviously, first of all, the Scriptures should be the ultimate standard of the home. You should know it, and your children should know it from a very, very early age. In other words, almost as soon as they can understand anything, they should understand 
We are Christians and we follow the Bible. You can do that by, uh, you know, obviously your kids come to church, you go to Kids Kingdom. Uh, uh, you can have little devotionals at the house where you read a scripture, uh, you know, when they get to that age when they can maybe understand those kind of things. But there, there, there needs to be a clear understanding of the standards of the home. And that should ultimately be the scriptures. Beyond that, every home has sort of the, the rules of the house. The rules of your home. Now, your home may not be exactly like the home of the guy sitting next to you. To some degree, each home is going to have some uniquenesses of what are the standards of your home. Your family, your children need to understand this is the way we do it. Okay? It doesn't make any difference if somebody else does it differently. You know, my kids would come home when they were still children. Of course, you know, for those of you who don't know, I mean, my kids are are grown and gone. So, uh, this time in my life is come and gone. But when they were little children, they might come home and say, well, um, the Neelands, I was over at the Neelands, and, and they can do this, or they can... They get to watch this television show, or, or they get to play with that game, or, or the, the, the Neelands get to do this, or, you know, and, and you guys, you know, <clears throat> hey, you know, uh, my, my, my kids were just over at uh, uh, Dave and Yvonne's, and well, the limbs let, you know, their girls do this or that. There are going to be rules of, there are going to be rules of your home. Okay? Now, the way we did that was, I said, hey, I'm not, I'm not making any judgment about what the Neelands do. That's their business. But your name's not Neeland. What's your name? Fuquay. Okay. What house is this? It's a Fuquay's house. So it's a Fuquay's house. This is the way we do it. Okay? Unclear standards... It is a common parenting problem. If the kids don't know what the rules are, how are they ever going to know what they should or shouldn't do? And so as a parent, as a dad, you've got to take some time, and you and your wife have to get your head together, or you have to at least think through a little bit, okay, what are going to be the rules of our home? You say, rules about what, Marty? Uh, Well, do you expect the bed to be made or not? I don't know. Bible doesn't say. <laughs> do you expect the kids uh, to do their dishes or to take their dishes and put them in the uh, a dishwasher after dinner? I don't know. Bible doesn't say. You see, every home is going to have some level of what are the rules of the home. Right. In, in within your home. And if you have unclear standards, if, if you have one set of standards and your wife has another set of standards, you can imagine the kids are just going to be confused all the time. They're going to play you against mom, mom against dad, and it's going to be a, a, a confused mess. I wrote down here, uh, uh, chaos. You have chaos if you have unclear standards. And so you as a home, 
even when the kids are little kids, I would say as early as a year or, or a little bit after that, there should already be some sense of the rhythm of your home, how your home uh, uh, works, what's Monday look like, what's Tuesday look like, what's the weekend look like, um, you know, uh, do you eat in the car or do you not? I mean, some families eat in the car. Some families, oh, we don't eat in the car. Now, that may have some bearing on what kind of car you have, you know. Uh, you know if, if, you've got, if you've got Rosie, you know, hey, you, you, you can eat Rosie, you know. Who, who cares? Man, you spill your Coke all over the place. Doesn't make a difference. But, you know, if you've got a really nice automobile, then maybe you don't want to. But, you know, whatever. And even within, you know, whether they're nice cars or, or junker cars, Certain homes have different standards, and you have to have clear standards. Okay, number two, problem. Uh, common parenting, common is a uh, problem, the pitfall is favoritism. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. This is uh, the story of, of uh, Peter, and, and he goes, he's with the Gentiles and all that. And in Acts 10, verse 34, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and who do what is right. Favoritism. Now, I was kidding with Marcel earlier saying, uh, one of the problems that we're going to talk about today doesn't apply to you as the dad. And uh, uh, favoritism is not a problem Marcel has to worry about. Why? He's only got one child. Okay. And, and how many of you have one child? Just one child. Some of you guys just have one. Okay, if you just have one, in some ways this doesn't fit. Uh, but uh, many of you probably will ultimately have more than one. Uh, now, it's okay to just have one. Uh, you know, uh, God just had one beloved son. So, amen. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so, if the Lord can do it, we can get away with it too. Uh, but, but most of us are probably going to have multiple children. Favoritism is, is a huge, huge issue. Let me give you some issues related to favoritism. Everyone is the same, meaning the kids. Now... Everyone is the same does not mean that everybody's always treated the same. But every child, at least ideally in your intentions, is going to be treated the same. The caveat of that is mom. Mom's unique. In other words, you know, we, we would get together uh, for like a family devotional when the children were small, and we'd say, okay, mommy and daddy uh, love all you guys the same. But I love mom more than I love you guys. <clears throat> and you know why? Because mom was here before you were here, and prayerfully, mom is going to be here after you're gone. And, and that's actually a very subtle but a good lesson to lay out there to the kids. Mom is unique. She's different. Mom's not just one of the kids. Mom's mom. That's a whole different category. Daddy loves mom more than he loves the children. And, and in, in, a, in a comparable way, mommy loves daddy more than... you know. It's, it's that mom and dad are put on a little different uh, area. But the children now are going to be treated the same to the best of our ability. 
I think if you have multiple children, you need to think of, of in your mind's eye, how are each one of them unique as compared to the other? Now let me tell you how we did that in our home. Ben was the only boy. Easy, right? Ben's the only boy. He doesn't have any competition. He's, he's one. He's, he's a boy. Okay? Now, when, before we adopted Anya, it was easy because Ben was a boy and Maria was a girl. Then when Anya came, then <coughs> uh, he had two girls. Okay, well, oh boy. Oh, now, how are we going to make them unique? Well, Maria was unique in that she was our daughter from the two of us. Anya was unique in that we chose to adopt her. You see, when, when Maria was born, she wasn't chosen. We didn't go through the nursery at the hospital. We didn't have a baby. It didn't go through and say, hey, well, I like, I like that one. Okay? Anya was unique because she was chosen. Maria was unique because she was our biological child uh, of the two girls. And Ben was unique because he's a boy and they're girls. Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, there, there, you need to try to find some uniqueness where each child uh, uh, is, is unique in, in a particular way. <clears throat> Different kids, even within the same biological framework, are going to be different. Those of you who have one child right now, you have no idea how true this is until you have the second child. And it, it just blows your mind. You're like, how in the world... Can we have two children be so different from the same biological and uh, environmental uh, influences, if you understand what I'm saying? Jacob and Esau. They're twins. They have the same biological makeup, so, so to speak. But Esau is just outdoorsman, big hairy guy. You know, I, I sort of envision him to be sort of a, a Reese Nealon kind of a big, athletic, you know, burly, powerful guy. And then you get Jacob, who's just a sort of, you know, likes to hang around the house with mom. Uh, you know, a, kind of a guy. More of a, maybe, maybe a little slider in, in build and, and, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> now, that being said... Different children require different approaches in parenting. This this gets tricky with favoritism. Being fair doesn't always mean the same. It's not favoritism to meet the needs. And children are different just like you and I are different. I don't necessarily have the same needs that you have. You don't necessarily have the same needs that I have. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot get trapped by your kids in this. And I've seen parents get trapped. Their kids trap them. Well, you gave it to him. Why can't I have it? Well, it may be that it was okay for him to have it. And it's not good for you to have it. And as a parent, sometimes you have to figure that out. You have to figure out what's... Good for one may not be good for the other. But you have to be fair in your mind toward the children. Are they always going to understand that? No. But they do need to understand that Dad treats us fairly. And that should really be the thing that you emphasize. 
There's no favoritism. I love you guys all the same. Even though one kid may be stronger in one area, one kid may be stronger in another area, but you have to uh, sort of figure that out as you, you go along. Every child is special. Every child is unique. And as a parent, it's your job to make them feel special and unique. Does that make sense? And, and, and I'll tell you this, guys, and it's, it's a hard thing to figure out sometimes with parenting. Sometimes a particular kid in your home could be more irritating to you than another kid. And, and you wonder, gosh, how could that be? I mean, this is my son. This is my daughter. I love her. I love him. Uh, uh, how, how could it be that this kid just pushes my buttons? It happens. Uh, but, but you have to not show favoritism. I'm telling you guys, if there's any lesson from Bible stories, it's that favoritism will, will, will blow up big, big time. And if, if you favor one kid because it's easier to parent them than it is easier to parent another one, you're going to hurt them and you're going to hurt your family. Sometimes you have to say, okay, this one's taking a little bit more work right now. And it may be a year, it may be five years, it may be their whole childhood. But you cannot, as a parent, decide, I like this one and that one I don't. You can't do that, guys. You're going to mess it up big, big time. Number three. Too little or too much discipline. Look over Hebrews chapter 12. You guys know this passage well. You've heard this many times about God's <coughs> discipline. Hebrews 12 and verse five, uh, 4, beginning. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. And you have not forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My, uh, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. But what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline. That's interesting. When the Bible was written, that there was an assumption there. The Hebrew writer makes an assumption that everyone undergoes discipline. I'm not sure that's true in our modern world today. Then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. We all. I mean, there's just an assumption by the Hebrew writer that everybody was disciplined in the home that they were raised in. That's unfortunately probably not true in our modern world. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. There's an assumption in the Scriptures that our God, our Father, disciplined us. Now, here's the pitfall that you have to figure out with your child. How much is too little and how much is too much. Balance is the key. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 22. Once again, this is a scripture about God in His character. Romans 11, in verse 22. Consider, therefore, the kindness 
and the sternness of God. You guys got that? Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. God can be kind, gracious, but He can be tough. He can be stern. If you have too little discipline, you do not shape the character. The character grows wild because nothing ever gets in its way. You you see a child misbehaving. I mean, the the classic scene is at Target or, you know, a a grocery store or, or a public setting of something, and you just see a kid that is just way out of control. We've all seen this, right? And and you're wondering, how did that kid get that way? Well, that kid more than likely got that way because nobody ever hemmed it in. No one ever communicated effectively that this is un, uh, unacceptable behavior. If you understand what I'm saying. Too little discipline and you have chaos. You just have a mess. You have a kid that's just running wild and in, 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 uh, in a very unhealthy way for uh, him or her and uh, for the, the other children. And, uh, you know, uh, they're a mess at school. They're a mess at home. They're just a mess. And one of the re- reasons is because they're, they're just undisciplined. They're, they're undisciplined. They've never been reined in. You have too little, if you have too much, then you have a kid... That, that's that's uh, instead of being able to grow and develop and, and, and be healthy, uh, they're walking around all the time wondering if they're going to get whacked in the head or whacked in the butt or whatever. Then you have, have a kid that isn't growing because they're stunted. They're 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 not free and 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 growing. They're they're always wondering what's going to happen now. The Hebrews 11 passage does say some things about discipline that some people in our world today feel very uncomfortable with. Not the least of which is that discipline is painful. If it doesn't hurt, in some ways you're wasting your time. Now, if it hurts too much, you've gone too far. There's a balance in there between too little and too much. And it's a very difficult balance sometimes to understand. If you discipline a child too much, it loses its effect. They're, 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 getting, they're getting disciplined every time they turn around. And after it loses its effect. If it's too little, then you never get their attention. You need, as parents, to pray for the wisdom of God to know how to discipline your children. But discipline them you should. Why? Because God disciplines us as His children. If He's our Heavenly Father, if He ultimately is the role model of what you want to be as a dad... I don't know how in the world you can read the Bible and come up with any other conclusion that as a dad, if you're going to be like God, you have to discipline your children. But you need to understand the sternness and the kindness of God. 
There's a balance in your discipline. You need to get advice and input from other people that you value to help you read your children. And just let me say this. Just because someone wants to give you advice doesn't mean that's the person you need to get advice from. I can't, I can't begin to tell you how many single people in our church that aren't married and don't have children have given advice on how to raise children. I, you know, thank you very much. I would rather get advice from someone who actually has children. Perhaps they know how to do it. If you want to build a good college basketball program, perhaps you shouldn't go to USC or UCLA. Since both of them are staying home. Maybe you should go to Lexington, Kentucky. Maybe you should go to Lawrence, Kansas. Maybe you should go to Syracuse, New York. Or Jack, you understand what I'm talking about. It borders on the ridiculous. If you don't have kids, you shouldn't be giving advice on how to raise kids. If you understand what I'm saying. Just because someone wants to give you advice doesn't mean that you need to take the advice. Now, let me say this about discipline. Don't threaten discipline. Either do it or don't do it. I hear parents, well, I'm going to thank you. Or, well, I'm going to, well, shut up. Either do it or don't do it. Quit talking about it. And obviously, in the context of our modern time in Southern California, I can't think of anywhere in a public setting that you should ever discipline your children in a sense of a spanking. That's just asking for it, guys. Discipline your children in your own home, behind closed doors. It's family business. And you take care of it within the context of the family, not out in public. You say, well, what if my kid's misbehaving in public? Go home. And take care of your business. And you don't have to make a big deal about it. You're like, oh, I'm taking you home right now. I'm going to whoop your butt. <laughs> you just, okay, we're, we're going home. Get home. Go in the house. Close the door. Sit down. Say, now, the way you were behaving back there at Ralph's was wrong. And that's not the way you're going to behave at Ralph's or here or anywhere else. And you take care of your business at home. I, I, I can't tell you, you better be very mindful of this in our modern world. You better not be disciplining your kids in, in public. Or you'll have a problem yeah. with, with the, the people in Southern California uh, and the godless society, uh, the, the un-Bible-centered uh, society that we live in. Uh, you, you better use some judgment there about what goes on. But too little or too much discipline is not good. It's a common pitfall. You have to figure it out. You say, Marty, how do I know? I have no idea. You don't know. I didn't know either when my kids were were little children and you're raising your children. 
How much is too much? I don't know. If you've been busting their butt too much, it's too much. If they're out of control, then it's too little. You're going to have to make that judgment by prayer. You're going to have to make that judgment with other people around you that you value. You know, have other kids, other people that you trust say, what do you think of my kids? Are my kids good, bad, and different? Give me your judgment. If you understand what I'm saying. Okay, number four. Uh, this is similar in a sense of lack of balance, but lack of balance between mom and dad. In other words, one being the primary parent and the other one basically not doing much uh, parenting. I-, I love this passage in Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 16, about balance. Balance, guys, is one of the key things of life. If you're out of balance, things aren't going to go good in a lot of areas of your life, but parenting too. And uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16, do not be over-righteous. <laughs> you wouldn't expect the Bible to say that, would you? Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. What that passage is saying is try to be balanced. Try to be balanced. Mom and Dad, now I know if you're a single parent, this doesn't apply to you, but the other one didn't apply to Marcel because he's only got one kid. Didn't apply uh, you know, to several of you who, who are, are... So I, just follow me, okay? Yeah. Mom and Dad are both necessary in the process of parenting. Look over to 1 Thessalonians 2. Now, this passage, once again, has nothing to do directly with parenting. But Paul talks about it. Now, interestingly enough, Paul is not a parent himself. But what he says, he's talking about uh, sort of having an influence on the, their life. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse uh, uh, 6, beginning with the paragraph there. You see where I'm starting as apostles? You guys got it? He says, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you, look at this, like a mother. He says, we treated you like a mother. We were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We love you so much that we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of the gospel of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, he's not talking about parenting. But he is talking about relationships, isn't he? And he's saying there's a way that a mom treats the kids and there's a way that that the dad treats the kids. He says this almost as common sense, doesn't he? Dads tend to be a little bit more tough. Moms tend to be a little bit more caring. Now, I know you're going to say, Oh no, I know this one woman, man, she is just, you know, I mean, she is Sergeant Carter, man. I mean, she's just on these kids. and Okay, fine. You know, we, we, we can run the range in, in the men and the women kind of thing. In a general overall description, there's a dad type 
and there's a mom type. The mom type is a little bit more tender, and the dad type is a little bit more tough, if you understand what I'm saying. If either one of those parents is the primary parent, then the kid does not get the benefit of the other. Parenting is not all about being tough. It's not all about being tender either. It's a balance of both. And the common pitfall here is that one of the parents just doesn't do much of the parenting. Maybe the dad's job totally takes him away. Maybe the mom's hobbies keep her busy all the time. Or her job maybe takes her away. But in in your home, there should be a balance of mom and dad parenting the kids. Mom is not the primary uh, 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 parent. In our world today, moms do a lot more parenting, unfortunately, than dads do. And so what do you have as an outcome of that? You have a lot of guys that, that are not influenced by their, dad, uh, by their dads. You have a lot of girls that aren't influenced by their dads. Hey, dad's a big part of raising little boys to be men. Dad's a big part of raising little girls to be women. So you've got to have a balance of both. Last one, number five. You guys with me now? This is an important one here. The home being a place of production instead of a peaceful place. I don't have time. I had a bunch of scriptures here, but I don't want to take up all your discussion time. Let me just give you a couple of them. Psalm 26, 8. They're all from Psalms. Psalm 23, 6. Of course, that's dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know. Psalm 84, 10. And Psalm 122, 1. The home should be a peaceful place, not a production place. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Barbara? Sometimes what home becomes is where you do homework. Home becomes the place where uh, you do the laundry. Home becomes the place where you make the meals. And we've got the television on. We got the computer on. We got the DVD on. We got the DVR on. We got we got four iPhones going. We got text message going on. Where's the peace? There's times in the home where the television needs to be turned off. Where the DVD, the DVR, needs to be turned off. The cell phone needs to be turned off. As your children get older, you say, what, what does older mean? I think older probably meaning somewhere in the range of, of 5, 6, 7, 8 through there. You need to have as many times a week as you can family dinner. Here's what family dinner is. It's a meal that has been made at home. We didn't go to McDonald's and get McChicken with, with, with no sauce. We didn't go uh, get a pizza. It's a meal that's made at home. You sit at the table and you consume it with no television. No phones on. Turn them off. Not on silent mode. 
It's not on bust your butt when it comes through. Phone off. TV off. Now, if you want to have some nice music in the background, I suppose that's fine. You understand what I'm saying? You are purposely setting a... a, You're doing this. This isn't by accident. This is by purpose. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk. Now, how old the children are and how much they have to do that particular time, that night or whatever, depends on how long you can stay. But it doesn't, it it, it never bothered me a little bit when we were having family dinner and we finished consuming the meal and we still had, uh, uh, you know, uh, there there was time there for 10, 15 minutes and, and, you know, they would start screaming, it's time to go. I don't know. Sometimes I didn't even have anything more to talk about. Because they wanted to leave was the reason we're going to stay. You know what I'm saying? We're having family time here. And what do you talk about? You talk about anything. You talk about everything. First couple times, it's awkward as heck. They they, they don't know what to talk about. But you know what? They kick in pretty quick. They get it. And and you go around sometimes, and you can have all kinds of discussions. You can can cover everything from soup to nuts in those discussions. And in some ways, it doesn't make any difference what you talk about. It's, It's family time. It's peaceful time. There's going to be plenty of time to get homework done later. You understand what I'm saying? You need family time in your home. And in our home, the best way to do that was to have a meal and to have a discussion time right after the the meal uh, was consumed. Okay, I went a little longer on my lesson tonight. Hopefully these things were helpful for you. Um, I didn't even pick out family group leaders or... Discussion group leaders. Just form little groups of five or six right here. You guys don't have to have a leader. Just someone start cheering, okay? Ready? Go!